Well, we're uh, continuing our series today, uh, Gifted, and it's appropriate that we're talking about building uh, God's church because that's why God gave spiritual gifts to us. So um, as we've been repeating, anyone who believes in Jesus uh, for life um, receives forgiveness, uh, redemption, is right with God, and the seal of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, indwells us and gives us specific gifts that are designed to bless each other and to build us up into God, the body that God wants us to be. So let's start by reading our uh, theme verse. Uh, we're talking about money today, which is not my favorite to- topic. Mike, I'm going to do, do right by you, buddy, I promise. I'm going to try at least. Um, but uh, it, it, we're going to see that there's actually uh, there's different forms of giving, and we're going to see today uh, that we're focusing on, on one o- over another. And, and I hope that you'll be uh, maybe a little surprised about how the Bible speaks about uh, giving and resources and, and, and money. So let's read this together. For uh, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but be reasonable, uh, each according to the measure of faith that God's assigned. Uh, don't think of yourselves as like, you're up here and this person's down here. That's not how this works. Okay? In one body, we have many members. Not all the members have the same function. Some of you are hands, some of you are feet, some of you are tongues, some of you are noses. And you all have different value uh, in the way that you build up the church with your gifts. Uh, And not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually we are members of one another. And that means that uh, by being here and by being a part of this community, you're being embedded um, in other people's lives. You're not your own anymore. Which can be scary, especially in this culture of individualism. Paul goes on to name a few of the gifts. He says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion, in proportion to faith, ministry in service, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the merciful in cheerfulness. Well, I, the, the, the big thing I, I want to emphasize right here is that Paul is talking about a type of giving that's special. Okay, the, the, the New Testament and really the Bible as a whole is, is pretty consistent um, in the way that it talks about just general giving to God, okay? Uh, and, and, and what Paul's doing, and I'm going to bring it out, it's in the Greek, it's special. Um, he, he's talking about a special spiritual gift. But God actually expects or thinks that all of us should be giving in some way. Okay, so here's just a, a, this is just a sample. I promise you, if you do your own study about giving, you're going to find the same thing that I found which is that almost all of the teaching in the New Testament is about the kind of giving that everyone should be doing. Okay? Um, Notice this. Each of you, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth, every single one of you, give what you've decided in your heart to give. So you think about what you should give, every single one of you, and then do it. Don't be reluctant. Don't be under compulsion. God wants you to be giving cheerfully. And then this is Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. So when you give, and that's a plural you, he's talking to all the crowds, everybody who's come out to see him, he's like, when, when you give, not if, um, it, not, not if, but when, when you give uh, to the needy, don't announce it uh, with trumpets. Don't be a hypocrite in the synagogues, on the streets, to be honored by others. Oh, look how much I'm giving to the poor. Uh, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. The point here is that God sort of expects God's people to be doing some type of giving. Now, I hate taking showers. 
Um, if you've smelled me in the last several years, you've noticed this. And it's not, it's not always been the case. I used to like taking showers. Um, but when we moved into uh, the parsonage, I was a, a waist size 32. I was a waist size 32. I've, I've, I've grown a bit. Um, but our, our parsonage, uh, the shower in the master bedroom looks a little bit like this. Looks, bring it, bring it. There it is. It's a, it's a closet shower. And as I've gotten larger, I've become uncomfortable with the amount of space I have while I'm washing. Because I'm always bumping into glass walls. And I'm like, I, I bend over and I hit my head on the, on the shower. And it just, it's become, it's become really like, I, I, I'm like, do I have to? I mean, can we, oh. What is it, every other day, is that the rule? Whoa. Is it really? Okay. All right, well, everyone's got an opinion about this, I'm sure. Uh, all I know is that there was a time in my life and, and occasionally now, um, I still, I get excited about showering. Um, our friends, uh, the Cheshires, sometimes bring us on uh, to their, their, uh, their, their timeshare. And, uh, and, and in their timeshare, there's a, their, the shower looks a little bit like this. Yeah. So what's cool about this is there's the shower, the rain shower that's coming from above. So it's like, you're, it's like a warm rain in North Carolina. Uh, you know, just bathing. And then it comes from the side, and you can, there's usually like a thing. And the best part is there's a bench. Because sometimes, you know, when you're showering, you get a little tired, you need to break. <laughs> so you can just sit down, just take a breather. <laughs> Water's still hitting you. Like, okay, I'm ready to get back in the game. Now, that's a shower I can get, I can get behind. I'm, I, that's, I'm into that shower. That's, if that were my shower, I think I would shower like seven times a day. I don't think I'd leave. It's awesome. Well, the way the New Testament thinks about giving is sort of like showering, okay? It's something that you should be doing, um, but hopefully you like it, all right? That's the first thing in your note sheets. Um, biblical giving is like showering. It's something you should do, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. It's like, it, it, it's sort of part of the furniture of, of a healthy life, right? We should be clean, right? We, should, we shouldn't be too gross, and, and similarly, we should be giving. Um, now, I know that's uh, that can be a... Well, let's be honest. If you're here and you're, you know, not a super uh, churchy person, or maybe uh, you, uh, you're one of the, our friends listening or watching online, um, and and you don't have a community of faith, sometimes it, it, people can be really skeptical when the leader guy gets up here and like, hey, give money so that I can get paid. Um, now, just hold that to the side for a sec. I get that. I understand that. Um, but the Bible seems to assume that the furniture of life, part of the discipleship of life, is to have an open-handed uh, relationship with money. And for a lot of us, that's really hard. It's super hard, especially those of us who are somewhere in, in the, the paycheck-to-paycheck zone. Um, however, the Bible also seems to agree that when you begin to develop this lifestyle and you're intentional about it, it transforms your heart in powerful ways. Now, Mike's going to be a little bit upset here when, when I say this. If you're skeptical about giving and you're not a giver, I challenge you to give somewhere else so you know I'm not doing this for me. Okay? I challenge you to start there. Start small and start where you know that this is your heart. This is where God's calling you. Um, however, I hope and pray that what that happens over time is that you begin to come to a place where you want to support your home community, your, your church. 
Um, and, and, and ultimately, I think, I, w- I would love it if, if we could all get into that tithe zone, that 10% zone. But let's start small. Start, don't, don't, don't hear me as a money-grubbing Fruit Loop. I'm not. Um, and I don't want to be heard that way. If you hear that, go somewhere else. For those of you who are online, I know that there's a ton of you listening to this as a podcast. Um, and you're not close to us here in, in Orange County. If you're not a part of a community of faith, find one. Find a place to give. Um, for those of you who are local and, you're, and you're, you treat us as your church but you don't come, uh, treat us like your church. Uh, I challenge you. Think about maybe beginning to give. Okay, Mike, how are you? I, all right? Okay. I, that, was, that was awful, and I feel like I need a shower. All right. Let's... Let's get on to... Now, this is why it's different, right? So let's go back to our our theme text and notice some differences. The first thing, um, when uh, when we see in the New Testament most of that that standard giving, it doesn't even use the Greek word for giving. It usually uses the Greek word for doing. So like when you do um, blessing people with money. However, in this text, Paul uses a very special word, very rare in the New Testament, and it, it, it means almost something like sharing. Sharing that you would do in your family. And and what follows it, where you get the translation uh, uh, generosity, is 96% of the time in all of Greek literature does not mean generosity. It really means sincerity. Okay? Um, It's translated this way because we don't think typically of the church the way that Paul thinks of the church. That Paul thinks of the church as his extended family. Okay? So when he goes to a church, he's traveling around, he's a missionary. Wherever he goes, when he gets there, he, um, he expects and assumes that he's going to share with them, and they're going to share with him. And he's noticed that there are special people in every church who are really, really sincere about their willingness to share. They kind of go above and beyond. Yesterday, uh, Aaron um, left me for several hours in charge of the children. And as I was sitting in the spa uh, thinking about their, their, their lunch, I got discouraged um, because I was imagining all the hard work it would take to microwave some mac and cheese, um, to heat up some chicken noodle soup, and I was like, I don't want to do that. And so I did what we all do. I took out my phone, I went to DoorDash, and I ordered Chick-fil-A. And I was like, I am going to be the hero, because they love Chick-fil-A. But I was savvy, because DoorDash is always trying to make a buck. Um, And I saw that if you buy the four-count nuggets individually, you can save money by getting the 12-count, just one box. And so that's what I did. I was very clever. I I got the 12-count, I got them a large fry, and they're going to share it out, right? They they all eat about four nuggets per meal. Um, And we might be able to shift a little bit, three to you, five to you, but about 12 should be enough. Um, A large fry for them, great. I got myself the spicy chicken deluxe and a a medium fry. And and, and when it came, the children saw the Chick-fil-A bag and they lost their minds. They were like, Dad, you're the best dad ever. Mommy never does this for us. Like, that's right, son. It's good. Really good. Learn young. But then... My, my son Soren, he's three years old. And so I opened up the box of nuggets, and he's like, nuggets! And then uh, I dumped it out. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, we're sharing. We're going to, what? These are my nuggets! I was like, dude, you're not going to eat, you're going to eat four of them. Like, I know, it. mine! And so I, like, made four uh, or three piles of four nuggets. And he, what he did is he started grabbing Alice and Olivia's nuggets and putting them back in the box. 
and then he hid the box behind himself. And then he, uh, he so I dumped out their fries, and he left that alone. But I went to get um, to the bathroom. When I came back, I found that my fries had also been dumped in the pile, and he was eating them. You're all, you're all like, oh, he's so cute, he's so sweet. Oh, is he though? Is he? Um, finally, uh, I managed to, you know, this is how it's going to be, bud. Um, but man, he was re- there was no sense in his mind that he had any obligation whatsoever to share. And he certainly, when he was forced to do it, I was like, no, you're going to do this, you're going to your room. He wasn't sincere about it. He was like, I'm doing this because I have to. Which I noticed is actually very different from the way that a lot of you treat me. Uh, I don't want to say that you're better at sharing than my three-year-old son, but you are. I have a few things that you've shared with me over the years. Uh huh. Wake surfing. I hate wake surfing. But during the men's retreat, there's always a day where they're like, you need to get out on the water, and I, I can't stand it. I hate it. But you're excited about it, and you think it's cool. And, and, and because it's something that brings out passion for you, you make me do it, assuming that I'm having fun. Great. Uh, the AR-15. What a gift. Uh, I got a lot, of, a lot of you have AR-15s. Who knew? And, uh, and, and most of them... All of them, in case the the feds are listening, all of them are California compliant, which apparently is very difficult to do when you're trying to get a weapon that looks like it's from the military. But man, I have never seen more people who are like, please come shoot with me. Please. Hold it. You're going to love it. And it's true. I I, I held it, and I I, kind of loved it. It was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, Kieran Scott took took their ARs uh, a couple days ago, and and I got to... uh, Man, I felt... I felt so powerful, so masculine. And the thing was, my understanding is that, like, bullets are super expensive. And I was like, hey, guys, what can I pay? They're like, no, no, this is, we're just so glad you get to be a part of this with us. like, thanks, guys. A couple weeks ago, Tammy Klein had a a little uh, soiree, and uh, she made uh, fondue, chocolate and cheese, um, there are only three things from the 70s that are any good. Um, Godfather, A New Hope, and Fondue. <laughs> Tammy shared one of the three only decent things from the 1970s, and she made it relevant and amazing. And I was just like, this is so, so good. I can't believe they closed the melting pot. I want it back. <laughs> and the thing was, I mean, it looked to me like this had been, what a chore, because she had a, there was a number of people there, and it was a really amazing spread. Like, it just looked like it had been an exhausting endeavor. And I, I know that it was, but man, I have never seen someone so happy to share their life, to share their gifts. Tammy, enjoy Tahoe. Thanks for the cheese. Speaking of which, apparently she also, on the side, as a side hustle, will make you uh, fondue kits. And you can, like, purchase them from her, and then it's, like, an amazing... So if you're... I don't know if she still does it. If, if, if she, she what is it? She makes fresh bread also. And fresh bread. I mean, who would want that? For the fondue. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, personally, my favorite thing that you share with me, though, is, is, uh, is, is your lives. I've, uh, I've noticed that whenever we get together, um, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's with Air Bear, uh, sometimes it's with a group of people. I, I've noticed 
um, that y'all are so open and you love um, just sincerely opening up your lives and, and be vulnerable with me about what's going on. Um, and that, that kind of like open-handedness with your own life, with your own being, I think that's exactly uh, the, the, the attitude, the, the thinking that Paul has when he talks about um, uh, givers, those who have the special gift of giving. A lot of us have it with, with our fun toys and our fondue and our, and our lives, but there's a few of us, a few special, very few of us who, who have that same feeling with their money and their resources, it's like, it's like they, they think of their money and their resources uh, as, just, as just something to be shared with, with, with the family of God. And that's the, the next thing on your note sheets. Um, givers sincerely share with their church family. And that sincerity comes from a, a deep love of God and a deep love of others. It's, uh, it's, it's something special. And, and we might wonder, why, why does God give this gift? And the reason I say that is because, remember, God's already said, hey, I want all Christians to be, to be giving. And so presumably that means that, that God expects that, that we're all going to help each other, make sure the lights stay on, and, and the, that the, the sound system has an incredible bass, uh, and that the lights are very, very flashy. It seems like God uh, thinks that, that we're all in, in it together when it comes to like, keeping things going, right? That base level of we're going we're gonna to make it happen. But then it seems that God has, has given a special gift of somebody who's, who's the, what, the, what really charges them up is just, is just that over-the-top, you know, expense. Not, it's, it doesn't stop at 10%. It doesn't even stop sometimes at 20%. It's just lavishing gifts and resources on the church. Why would God, uh, why, why does God need that, right? Why do we need, why do we need givers like that? Why do we need these special people I think um, it's helpful to look at, uh, at James. I think this is probably the clearest place in, in the whole Bible, really, that, that kind of talks about God's, God's heart and how it plays into those who have the gift of giving. This is James 1, 17 to 18. Every generous act of giving, every perfect gift, all is, com- is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, probably heavenly lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Ancient people noticed that when they looked in the sky, the stars moved, the planets moved, um, the sun and the moon moved. Uh, in fact, when the sun sets, like shadows come and obscure us, and when the sun is, is down, we're, we're, dra- we're draped in darkness. And so there was a sense in which the lights of the sky um, represented something like the, um, the unpredictability of the world. They, they, they didn't understand why the planets would move about in, in these odd patterns. They didn't understand why there was these cycles when it would clearly be better to have light all the time. But what James says, he says there's a, a God above that, a Father a, 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 above the heavenly lights who, who does not change ever, who is totally the same from day to day, from year to year. And that Father's light dr- uh, drips down to us in the form of, of generosity and perfect gifts. And what is the ultimate perfect gift? It's says, uh, James says, in fulfillment of his, God's purpose, he gave us birth. Uh, you remember that from John 3. He gives us a, a new birth. Um, in how? By the word of truth. We hear the word of truth and we're given a new birth. We're given eternal life. The life of God is available now to us here. He gives us redemption. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us a new start whenever we need it. And he gives us life that never ends. Why? So that we could become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. 
First fruits meaning a special, uh, special harvest of his creatures. Creatures that will, will look and, and, and act like him. That'll be, that'll see him as their father, be born from him, have his character, his nature exuding out from them as they live in the world. That's why God does it. And so there's a special gift that God gives to some where they, they get to, 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 to participate, to keep doing what God started and continues to do in the gift of life and being born into the Christian family. Any of you, uh, your love language is giving? Anybody? You've heard of this, the love language? Oh, I'll make sure to get you a card. I know you'll like it. Uh, my daughter, Olivia, she's a giver. This is how she, experience, how she expresses her love for you, is she gives you gifts. Um, so if you haven't gotten a gift from her, she probably doesn't care about you that much. <laughs> Just FYI. Um, she gets so excited, too. She's like, uh, you know, when Christmas comes around or birthdays or whatever, she's the only one in the entire household who's, like, intentional or thoughtful about what she, I'm like, just here's a gift card. Just, I care, okay? I care $100 worth of your life. She, like, creates these things, and she, you know, puts it all together, and she'll use some of her money a lot of times to buy things for others. Um, and she gets so excited. She loves to give these gifts to let people know that she loves them. But if we're being honest... It's not really her that's ultimately giving the gift, is it? She puts the time and the effort in. She thinks she's intentional. She uses what resources she has. But where do those resources come from? From Papa Bear. Working two days a week to make sure it rains, you know? I'm, I'm out there slaving away to make sure that she's got construction paper and crayons Air Bear, too. I mean, Air Bear carried us financially for the first, you know, 12 years of the marriage. But this one is great. feels good. Um, she, she, whatever she has, because we gave it to her. It's from us. And so there's a kind of vicarious joy that I get when I see her give gifts to people. Because I'm like, in a way, I get to, I'm part of this. She's, she's extending or she's, she's, she's you know, using what I've given her and she's Handing it off. I'm, I get, that's exactly what James thinks God sees your, your giving like. Right? God's the one who gives this, this perfect gift, creates these, these first fruits of his creatures, and then gives them, tasks them, especially those with the gift of, of giving, to go and, and participate in more of that, spreading it out more. And so every time you givers give something, you, you are giving on behalf of God himself. You are imitating and participating in the, the greatest, ultimate, truest, best gift of the entire universe. God's gift is sufficient in and of itself, but God is pleased and joyed to let you participate and take part. And every time you write that check, every time you give those things, every time you share that stuff, it, it is as if God himself is, is working through your hands and, and your stuff to... to to bless the people around you, to give them to make sure they have what they need. And so the third thing on your note sheet is 
is that givers participate in God's perfect gift of life with every generous gift they give. I want you to hear that because it's very important. Yes, God gives us eternal life. But you get to be a part of that life. Because eternal life, just, it's not just living forever after you die. Eternal life begins here and now. It's, it's the life we live when we participate in the Spirit, when we live by the Spirit. And God lets special givers participate in that, be a part of giving that when you give. Don't misunderstand me. Your, your eternal life is 100% dependent on God. Your forgiveness is dependent on God. All those things. But sharing of resources and the, and the dropping of generous good gifts, that's, that's part of eternal life. And you get to be a part of it. There is a little bad news, though. Some of you givers uh, can fall into some pretty gnarly traps. And I just want to highlight them so that, if you're, so that you're aware. Okay? And so the, the first thing is that givers, uh, in my experience, tend to, they tend to, like, just, that's all they do. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, maybe you've got a lot of resources. You were really wise or God blessed um, your, your business or you inherited or whatever. Um, and, and so it's very easy, honestly, in most cases, for you to just... Well, as the saying goes, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You might be the sort of person who uh, might be ready to ignore all other aspects of discipleship. And whenever you see a problem or a need in the church, your immediate thought is, How, I, I, can, I can fix this. I can fix this. Take my credit card. The truth of the matter is, oh, there's a lot of things, in fact, the most important things, that we can't fix with a check. Can't fix with you going from 10% giving to 20 or whatever. No amount of money is going to change hearts. No amount of money is going to bring peace to those who are in the midst of depression or anxiety. Sometimes no amount of money will suffice um, to get people where they need to be in life. In fact, in some cases, it starts to hurt because they become dependent. And so I encourage you givers, I challenge you to think the next time you're, you're about to write a check, just stop and say, is this really, is the problem really going to get fixed with my resources? Or is there something deeper that we really have to address that resources just don't hit? The next thing, and this is my favorite, I love beating up givers about this. Um, for you, givers, a lot of you have a really hard time receiving. You're used to being the providers. You're used to being the ones who uh, take care of everybody. You love sharing. You, love, you, you treat the church almost like you're the big papa or the big, the big mama, and you're, and you're, just, you're just taking care of you, and you love that. You love knowing that if anyone has need, you're going to meet it. But then something happens in life that can't get fixed with money and, or resources. And suddenly, you're in a place where people want to bless you, and you can't stand it. You hate it. You're like, no, no, no I'm fine. I'll figure it out. You're so used to being, uh, what's the word? You're so used to being okay that when you're not okay, you don't know how to receive help. 
But here's what's going on. I want you to know this, this is a true fact. The people around you, the people in this community, they love you. They appreciate the heck out of you. They know what you do behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. They're aware of what you are and what you've done. And man, when they see you hurting, they want to help. They desperately want to make your life better. And so here's the deal. Uh, I, I challenge you givers. The next time this happens, okay, I know you don't need their help. I know you're fine or kind of fine. But for them, receive for them. Their discipleship, is, it's important for them to be givers too. Those of us who don't have the gift of giving, I'm sur- I can't stand giving. I don't want to give anything to anybody. Uh, but I, but when, when there's an opportunity to do that, that's, that's something that God's calling me to, to be stretched in. And if you're sitting there saying, I'm fine, then I can't do it. And it might be something simple like, you know, receiving meals or, or receiving, you know, cards or just receiving a babysitting time. or rece- if, if that, take it. Receive it. Even if you don't need it, those of us who are giving it to you, we do. And the last thing uh, for, for giver, giving traps. There's going to come a time when, um, when you step back and say, I did this. I was the one who made this business. I was the one who you know, earned this money. I was the one who uh, did these things. James says, well, no, you didn't. James says, uh, Really, ultimately, the Father of Heavenly Lights poured these gifts onto you and is now tasking you with, with distributing them. And that can be tough for givers because sometimes you're like, hey, nothing around here gets done without me. Appreciate me, please. I want to tell you, when that moment hits, when that feeling hits, uh, that's the moment where your discipleship gets challenged and you get an opportunity to grow in a radical way where even when it's not appreciated, you still recognize that this is just what God's called you to do and you let God take the glory. Now, in some ways, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Um, we have to do it because uh, it's in the, in the Bible, but um, I... I I sometimes look at the last two years, especially the last two years during the pandemic, and I feel like, if I'm being honest, um, it's like these just, God has just been showering this church with gifts, gifts just falling from the sky. The Father of lights, um, who is light, just, just dropping one gift, and a lot, I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, the first, Jen, Jen uh, has a heart for Haiti. And just recently, uh, she got her company to, to match gifts. And so up to $10,000. And this church gave over $10,000. So $20,000-something went to our brothers and sisters in Haiti. I mean, amen. That's awesome. You know, uh, with these beautiful screens, like just a, just a gift from heaven. Uh, before, you couldn't see anything. And now it's like, wow. We, do you know, I think these are only at 30% brightness because it's too bright. It actually blinds your eyes if you turn them all the way up. Wow. And somebody just stepped up and said, I'm going to make that happen. I, when we uh, went, we had to go in the tent, right? The tent. Because of uh, the pandemic. And the tent paid for. Um, the equipment donated. Like, it was just, it was an unbelievable showering of above and beyond, over-the-top giving uh, from people in this congregation. 
I can tell you that there's never been an illness or a situation that, uh, pro- uh, approaching homelessness or anything, where, where this church hasn't risen up to take care. I look at that and I'm like, man, this is a super generous, super sincere, super uh, sharing community. But maybe there's some of you who want to get in on it. You're hearing this and you're like, you know what? I'd like to, I, I think I might have that gift. But so far, you know, it seems like they've got everything they need. Well, here's the thing. Our missions committee is meeting uh, at the end of this month on Sunday, and we've got some pretty cool ideas and ambitious uh, things that we're looking to do. Maybe uh, we might need some more than we have in our budget. I think we've got six grand in our budget, and we might need more. Well, that's an opportunity maybe for someone to step up and, and, and do the big giving. Uh, Lindsay, because uh, I was a part of the finance committee and we decided to just destroy her events budget just to stick it to her. Sorry, Lindsay. Hope you enjoy Tahoe also. No, you're in Brianhead. Um, so she's planning these events and she, she's a little bit hand-tied. She's a little bit less. Than, and you know, you know our events are amazing. Like we have like bounce houses. and I think we're at, for Easter, I think we're going to have a petting zoo. Who's going to make that petting zoo happen? Ah, ah, somebody's got to do it. You can't make Easter great again again without a petting zoo. So let's get, I mean, so if you're looking, you're you're like, I got to get forgiven. Well, I have an opportunity for you to do that. We're going to make it happen no matter what, but but a little help. You're you're telling me no petting zoo. Is that what you're doing? You should bring your dog. Actually, uh, Eichler's got a new dog, Freya. Uh, Their their other dog's terrible, but this one's great. Uh, You should... You should check. And Freya, named by Sierra, did you name it? Uh, that's the Norse goddess of love, so you should check that dog out. I, I'm a huge, huge fan. Um, what the? You train wrecked everything. Oh, uh, also, this is big. This is huge. Okay. We keep the lights down when you come in because when newcomers come in, we don't want them to see the color of our pews. Right? I don't know if you... Aqua Marine... I say it, I say it all the time. 1995, great year, a lot of good things happened. These pews happened in 1995, and, uh, and they are amazing. They're very comfortable, but they don't, I mean, they could, I don't care because I don't care about fashion anywhere, but some people, it bothers them that these pews look like we don't care. This carpet, I mean, one thing you can say about the color of vomit is it hides everything. That's rad. Um... We, little paint, uh, maybe we'll work on the stage. We're working right now with some designers to try to do a big refresh this summer. A lot of possibilities, a lot of, but boy, maybe someone out there is ready to go above and beyond and would like to help. If you would, let me know. The bottom line is if you've got this gift and you want to participate in the perfect gift of life that God gives to his people, let me know. And if not, that's cool too. I'm not, it's a gift. And if you don't have it, don't worry about it. Don't, God always provides. He's always provided. And so don't look at this as like me, like needling you, like here's your check. Don't, don't do that. I, I don't, I want everything to be gratis, free. Because you know something, the gospel is free. God didn't come down and be like, well, if you don't write a check, I'm just not going to get you into the kingdom. No, what God did is he gave his only son. 
He said, I'm going to be completely open-handed, completely generous, absolutely over-the-top giving. I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need in Christ. All grace. It's all grace. It's 100% free. And there's no charge. And if we're not operating like that, then we're, we're wrong. We're off track. And so don't hear me saying, give me money. Instead, hear me saying, if God's given you this gift, then you give freely, open-handedly, the way that God gave to us and continues to give to us. Because in the end, that's what people are going to see, and that's what they're going to respond to, is us as people of grace, people who freely, open-handedly give all, whether it's our time and resources and money, whether it's our forgiveness and kindness, whether it's our mercy and unwillingness to judge, everything starts for us with grace, with being open-handed. And that is what's going to change the world. That's what's going to transform lives. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so pleased to be called your children that you open-handedly, freely gave us life in your Son, forgiveness, redemption, peace, hope, joy, that all the good and perfect gifts just, just spill out of your hands right into our lives. And God, we praise you for the, the special people that you've put in this congregation, in every congregation, who mirror that heart that you have to give freely who love giving, who sincerely want to share with your people. We praise you for them. We thank you for them. May we appreciate them. And may we praise God, praise you, Father, for the way that you've utilized them in our lives. In all things, may we imitate the gift of your gospel. May we embody and be grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.